0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Are we ready to open next month? I think so. You think so? Well, it's complicated. Fire protection, first aid supplies, uniforms, safety training, mat services. Oh, and restroom supplies. So uncomplicated. Call sent us. They'll handle all of it. Wow. One company can handle all that? That's not very complicated. So, you'll be ready? Oh, we'll be ready. Oh, I'm ready. Learn how CentOS can help you get ready for the workday. Visit CentOS.com. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you won 't find anywhere, and it 's Monday morning twas the day after christmas i 'm tired i 'm still full, and I apologize. I had promised a short post game podcast on Christmas Eve night, and it just didn 't happen my my son my son sang in the church choir, and my wife played at the at church and you know what I wanted to get there, so i I, I sped out of the press box as quick as I possibly could, got there in time. And then, there are all, then there's all the last-minute Christmas stuff that I had to get done. And so, anyways, I apologize. I hope you understand. But I'm back and ready to go to talk about Saturdays. 38 to 25 victory by the Packers over the Vikings, which is giving Green Bay a five-game winning streak and a chance to win the NFC North on Sunday at Detroit. And that flex game is first down. We'll get into the game here in a minute with the offense, defense, and the special teams. But first, it is first down, and it is the flexing of Packers at Detroit. Originally scheduled for a noon kickoff. It is now 7.30 on Sunday Night Football on NBC. The Packers have won five in a row. They are 9-6. Tonight, Detroit, which is 9-5, plays at Dallas. Now, from Green Bay's perspective, the Lions-Cowboys game means absolutely nothing. If the Lions win, they go to 10-5. They'll be a game ahead of Green Bay. But if Green Bay wins... Um, on Sunday against the Lions. they both be 10-6. and six. The Packers would have swept the two games and therefore they win the tiebreaker. And obviously if uh, Detroit loses to Dallas tonight, both teams would be 9-6. and six And the winner on next Sunday at, at, at four Field would be the outright division winner. So from Green Bay's perspective, this game means nothing. From Detroit's perspective, it means quite a bit. They still have a shot at the number two seed. It'll be interesting to see what Dallas does in this game. I would assume Dallas would try to play. I mean, it, they've already got the number one seed locked up. Uh, so it's interesting to see what Dallas' what approach will be. They've, they've, they've got nothing to play for, but you can't take this game off, and you can't take Week 17 off, and then you get the bye weeks. So I mean, you can't take all that off, can you? So I, I would think the Cowboys would come out to play. You know how sharp they are and all that stuff going to be, the, the mental part of it, I don't know. But I would think Garrett would, would Jason Garrett would coach to win the game. So that'll be interesting, but again, that means nothing in the grand scheme of things. The Packers simply have to beat the Lions on Sunday, and they will win the division. There are the ways to get into the playoffs with a Packers loss. Washington would have to lose. Washington hosts the Giants. At this point, Green Bay is 9-6, Washington 8-7-1. I mean 8-6-1, excuse me. So if Green Bay were to lose to the Lions and Washington were to beat the Giants... And the Giants have nothing to play for. They've, they're they locked the number five. If that were to happen, then Washington is 9-6-1. Green Bay would be 9-7. Washington, therefore, gets that final playoff spot. So Green Bay needs Washington to lose. Now, the other way, the other obstacle here would be Tampa. Tampa right now is 8-7. Um, they host Carolina on Sunday. If Tampa were to win, they'd be 9-7. and seven. If Green Bay were to lose, they'd be 9-7. and seven. The applicable tiebreaker is strength of victory. At this point, Green Bay's nine victories have come against teams with 59 wins. Tampa's eight victories have come against teams with 52 wins. If they were to beat Carolina, Carolina's got six wins. So that would get Tampa up to 58. So Green Bay would have a 59-58 to 58 edge in strength of victory. But obviously, it's the rest of the schedule, too. You know, you look at you know, say Tampa Bay beat San Diego. So if you're Tampa Bay, you become a San Diego fan. And and stuff like that. So all it's gonna come down to to a whole bunch of games, but Green Bay at least has the edge there. But again, in a nutshell, Green Bay's easiest paths are A beat Detroit the NFC North or B become a big Giants fan and hope the Giants knock off Washington. And then that base that gets you a long way toward getting into the playoffs, so there you have it, the playoff scenarios heading into Sunday's gigantic game against the Lions. In this episode of Locked on Packers, is brought to you by my website, PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview and the postgame numbers piece, which I got a couple things on Twitter, and I thank you for saying it. The best postgame story that they read all week. I appreciate that. A lot of, a lot of great research-based numbers if you're kind of a stat geek like me, and I'm not talking about meaningless stats like Aaron Rodgers threw for 347 yards. I put context and all this stuff. So anyway, Packer Report members get that stuff, and they also get 10% discounts on tickets through Ticket Monster, and 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics. And if your business would like to reach out and talk directly to Packers fans, the most loyal people on earth, you should consider sponsoring this podcast. Podcast listeners are proven by studies to check out your business and to purchase from your business. For more information and for demographic stuff, you can email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. Once again, packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. And that takes us a second down and look at the Packers' offense. But before we you know, kind of talk in specifics, a few weeks ago, I think it was, God, I don't want to say a foregone conclusion, but pretty close that, that Dallas would sweep. Two major awards, major awards, and I'm not and I'm not talking about leg lamps. And we still kind of Christmassy here, I'm talking rookie of the year between uh, running back Ezekiel Elliott and quarterback um, Dak Prescott, and MVP with one of those two guys winning the MVP. Well, maybe Green Bay wins two major awards, and, and again we're not, we're not talking leg lamps here. How about? How about MVP? Well, first of all, how about comeback player of the year? I you know I don't know who else is up for this. I I don't know the rest of the league. I do know Jordan Nelson's had a pretty good year. He's got ninety one catches. He's got fourteen touchdowns. I'm pretty sure that's got to be comeback player of the year worthy. And the later, the longer the season is gone, the better Nelson has become. And then, of course, the other one is Aaron Rodgers for MVP. And I I asked Mike McCarthy that question. After the game on Saturday, I said, you know, there's some talk about Rodgers winning the MVP. Is he playing to that caliber? Here's what McCarthy said. I think he's an MVP. There's no question about it. He's been playing at an MVP level for a number of years, and that was an MVP performance. There's no question about it. I don't want to be disrespectful to the other players who are having great years, but he's the best player in the National Football League, in my opinion. Rodgers, unbelievable against the Vikings. 28 out of 38, 347 yards, 4 touchdowns, a 136.6 pass rating. Now, I have seen Aaron Rodgers have some unbelievable games in his career. That might have been his best performance ever, in my opinion. First of all, he's got no help from the running game. The running game was a non-factor. Number two, the Vikings defense is really good. Uh, We'll get into some of that stuff here in a second. And see, it was a a nice day. I mean, it was, you know, what was it, 37 at kickoff, whatever it was. It was was a great day for December. But you you go back to some of the great Rodgers games. You know, a lot of those are September games, and it's 70 and sunny, or some of those have been in domes. You know, 35 degrees isn't exactly optimal playing conditions. So you combine those things. This is about as good as I've ever seen Rodgers play a game. He was unbelievable. You, You look at the first half numbers. 19 of 22 for 268, three touchdowns. Those three incompletions, one was a throwaway late in the first half before his third touchdown pass. And the other two were arguably arguably drops. Uh, one by Devonta Adams, not a very good ball. And one to tie Montgomery on a scramble where, again, not, not a great ball. Um, Rodgers didn't seem to be happy with where, where Montgomery took himself. but So anyway, the, the three incompletions, one a throwaway in two Hit his receivers in the hands. So that, he was surgical against the Vikings. And again, this is a great Vikings defense. And in the, in the history of Mike Zimmer as Vikings head coach, and he's, this is the end of his third year, so basically three full seasons at this point, that 136.6 pass rating is the second best Uh, Number one was happened to be Aaron Rodgers back in 2014 in October game where he was like at 140 something. For the first time under the Zimmer era, excuse me, this would be the second time under Zimmer that a quarterback threw for four touchdowns, but the first with four touchdowns and no picks. And heading into this game, the Vikings hadn't allowed a quarterback to throw for more than 271 yards. Rodgers, of course, finishes with 347. So a, a sensational performance by Rodgers. His last six games, and it includes the loss at Washington, he's gone 206 passes without an interception, and that dates back to the tail end of the loss at Tennessee. And in the last in, the, in this five game winning streak, look, it's crunch time. You need to be at your best, and especially for the Packers, where you had to be at your best. His pass rating merely 119.8. That is MVP play. He he was unbelievable. Uh, The first touchdown, that was was a Jordy Nelson play. The 21-yard catch and run by Nelson where Riders lines up in the slot, catches the ball around the 13, um, makes the safety miss, and then kind of runs through um, a late tackle attempt by linebacker Eric Kendricks. Great play by Nelson. The second touchdown, that touchdown to Devonta Adams. A twenty yard back shoulder pass. You couldn't have drawn it up any better. You know, it's one on one against uh, against Xavier Rhodes. Adams goes straight up the field, stops on a dime at the two, and that ball's right there. And it's a walk-in touchdown. Rhodes thinks it's PI and yeah, Adams pushed off a little bit, but a great route, a brilliant throw. The third touchdown, the two yard pass to Nelson, a vintage Ryder and Nelson scramble play touchdown, and these guys have connected 59 times in franchise history—the most for any quarterback-receiver duo, as you probably know by now. I wonder how many times they hooked up on that touchdown. I mean, for all we've talked about over the—let's say over the years—but over the months of this podcast, for all we've talked about the the uh, Ryder and Nelson long ball connection, I wonder how many of those 59 touchdowns are on scramble plays near the goal line and. Nelson is covered by linebacker Anthony Barr. He's covered, he's covered, he's covered. Riders buys time. McCarthy, McCarthy, holy cow. Nelson spins away from Barr and gets himself on the back end line. Riders throws it. Nelson catches in quick ducks before the DB gets sort to hit him. Just a a great play. And then the fourth touchdown. The six-yard Riders running. Remember... Remember when Riders had a bad hamstring and a bad calf? Remember when he tried to scramble against the Bears and he kind of looked like a uh, a seventy-year-old grandma with her walker? Not so much in this one. So Riders, it's, it's at the six. Riders is immediately pressured by Everson Griffin, who's a Pro Bowl player. Riders spins backward as this. I mean, this is a you know. I, I, this takes me back. I'll go back to the Bears game here real quick. In that Bears game, it was the. I think it was the first half, where Riders faced a corner blitz by uh, the slot, the bare slot corner. Riders saw him coming, and he couldn't do anything about it, and then usually when Riders faces a blitzer, just at the very last second he spins, usually backward, and that leaves a DB basically tackling air as he spins away from the, from the corner. Well, Riders couldn't do that, and he's just a sitting duck, and he gets sacked. So here we go. Everson Griffin, from the edge, but right it's still the same side from uh, Rodgers' perspective on this one. Spins away. He's back at his 23. By the time he goes forward, Rodgers is at his 23-yard line. So he's basically retreated 17 yards. So Rodgers runs from the 23 down to about the 3 where he dodges Xavier Rhodes with a little bit of a juke moves and dives into the end zone for the touchdown. Just a it's, unbelievable. it's unthinkable that he was hurt four weeks ago. Remember, he got hurt He hurt his hamstring originally in the third quarter of that game against Philly, the first game of that winning streak. Unbelievable that he was hurt back then, and he was hurt against the Bears. So that was a great touchdown by Rodgers, and so he's back. And back to, back to Nelson. Touchdowns 13 and 14 of the year, as we mentioned. Nelson is back, and I asked McCarthy about this too after the game. I got you know, I asked him, you know, for all the times that we asked you, you know, is he back, is he back, is he back? This stat tells you that he's getting there. In the first ten games, Nelson had ten plays of twenty yards. In his last five games, Nelson has ten plays of twenty yards. So he's got as many twenty yard passing plays as he had during the uh he's got as many twenty yard passing plays in the last five games as he had in the first ten games. And a big play barrage again, by not not, not, not 70 yard touchdowns, but he had, he had a you know like 48-yard catch and run. And this is the offense that is firing at all cylinders. And yeah, God, I sit remember sitting there with Keith for a post-game podcast up at Lambeau one of those Sundays. I, I forget the matchup. Packers lost you know, Maybe the Packers lost, or heck, maybe they won, I don't know. I remember pounding on the table. I mean, not like super pounding on the table, but pounding on the table. They're not gonna figure out this is how they've been. And at that point, the offense had been a so-so group for like 20 games in a row. And I remember sitting there pounding on the table. They're not going to get it back. It's who they are. Well, 38 points against the Vikings. And it's five game winning streak. They've averaged about 28. The last three, they've averaged 35. This offense is back. They're damn good. And look out, because these guys are running into Detroit as hot as any team in the league. And that brings us to the third down. What do you make of the Packers defense? Look, it was terrible at the end of the game, but with nine minutes to go, it is thirty-eight to thirteen. You take that, right? If you got the Packers offense and you're, you're sitting there as Green Bay's defense, and you are giving up thirteen points, heading basically, it's the midway point of the fourth quarter. So for three and a half quarters, it's thirteen points. You take that, right? Or you look at that the other way, and it's hard to it's hard to look past this point. Through that, again, that that a four minute, nine minute mark, heading into the, into the fourth quarter, they still allowed about three hundred and gosh, three, I wrote it down here, and I, I can't find my notes. Uh, about three hundred twenty yards, I think it was. And it it'd be a lot worse. They, they get they get two red zone stops against a bad red zone team. Uh, the first of those red zone stops. Uh, the second down pass, Sam Bradford, who is leading the NFL in completion percentage, has a chance to set the NFL record in that number. Has Adam feeling wide open in the back of the end zone and throws it too high for the completion, then third down Clay Matthews comes in and breaks up a pass. So they 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 waste a the red zone trip there and against a better offense. Do the you, you know do you give up those red zone scores instead of, instead of sitting here at 13 points? Are you sitting there at 21 or 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 whatever. So it's it's the yeah you know, we, we get the uh, the coordinators after uh, practice and stuff this afternoon. And it'll be interesting to get Dom Capers take Dom Capers take on where this group is defensively heading into the stretch here. Or heading, they're in the stretch, but heading into the the final game and, and a possible playoff push. What helps you at least is Clay Matthews, and he. <laughs> I mean, talk about timing, right? I think several of us came into uh, the week last week with the storyline of: Should Clay Matthews even be playing? I know I know that was on my list of to do, my, my to do list of questions to ask when Matthews talked to us. And there was on others too: Should Matthews even be playing? I mean, you saw him out there since he got wiped out by Allen Barber in that Eagle scam. Even by the coaches' count um, in the previous three games. Clay Matthews had one quarterback hit and two tackles. And that's what the coaches' stats count. I mean, sometimes the coaches' count is more than the official count, but that's what the coaches came up with two tackles and one quarterback hit in those three games. So, I mean, we're asking should, should Matthews even be out there? And the answer was from Winston Moss, the linebackers' coach, and, and defensive coordinator, Dom Capers, the answer was yes, because he gives you the potential of making that play. You know, Dem Capers talks about this all the time. Just about every game in the league come down, comes down to those one, two, or three plays. If you make them, you win. If you don't make them, you lose. And Matthews gives you the chance to make that play. And Sure enough, Matthews made a whole bunch of plays. On Sunday 1st, the aforementioned, he comes in untouched off the edge on that third and goal play. Bats on a pass. And then Vikings left tackle T.J. Clemmings just got destroyed by Matthews. In the, in the official stats here, say three tackles, one sack, and um, three quarterback hits. But it just seemed so much more. Matthews destroyed left tackle T.J. Clemmings. Uh, if you go to a pro football focus stats, they have Matthews having his highest graded game since 2012. I mean, it was just dominance. You know, I, I swore Clemmings held Matthews six times, may, maybe eight times, I don't know. I just remember sitting in their press box thinking, well, that's holding, that's holding, that's holding. And then they call it, finally they called it, I believe in the third quarter, Matthews basically gets tackled on the way of the quarterback. And they, and they finally called that one. But Matthews spent three quarters of the game in the backfield. and And now you understand why the Vikings offense has been so bad all year. And why Bradford, while completing a great uh, percentage of his passes, has been terrible, and the offense has been terrible. Because I mean, the guy's got no chance. I mean, TJ Clumings, who I actually liked as a prospect in that draft class, in that was the 2015 draft. I thought he was, I thought that was an intriguing pick for the Vikings in the fourth round. Well, God, I mean, Matthews just killed him. But you know, look, he's he's their number three guy. You know, it was Matt Khalil's their longtime center at left tackle and he's on IR and they seen they signed Jake Long. a street free agent and, you know, he's on IR and look, left tackle's a premium position, and you're screwed when you're on your number three guy. Look, I mean you remember these the Packers last year, right? You know, Bakhtiari goes out and Don Barkley about gets Aaron Rodgers killed and they gamble with Josh Sitton and Josh Sitton gives up the sack strip. Has returned for a touchdown and, and the NFC North Championship game against the Vikings in Week 17. And, you know, they finally put in JC Trudder, their fourth pick left tackle, and he kind of s- stabilizes things until Bakhtiari gets back. But left tackle is a key position. The Vikings don't have one, and they stink. But a-, a great game by Bakhtiari. And a good game by Nick Perry, too. You know, if any guy can play through a club cast, it's Nick Perry, who A, he's done it. But B, he is just so gosh darn strong. We've talked about this before. I mean, he is a beast against the run, and he got the right tackle. Uh, Jeremiah, Cyril's I have, again, these are he's the Vikings third choice at right tackle. I mean, he is just pushing him around, and Perry ends up with, with two sacks in, in a in a big game. Now can Perry do that against a real right tackle? We'll see, but Perry's had a great season and he he was badly, badly missed. Um, basically missed the last three games. He got hurt early in that Houston game, but his pass was badly missed. So you know, Matthews appears to be back, and I realize he you know didn't face a good player, but you know he was. You know he wasn't just a pass guy. I mean, he was. He played a lot of snaps and played them darn well. So it looks like Green Bay's edge rushers are back, and that bodes well because the secondary is not good. And I'm talking about the when I, I didn't even, shouldn't even say second the secondary, the cornerback, but cornerbacks aren't good, and this is going to kill me. And I was talking to Ryan Wood of the Press Gazette at practice on I guess it had been Wednesday last week, and Ryan's like I, I get a feel, I just have this feeling they're going to go to the Super Bowl, and I said and I just said no way. You, there's t- it takes two things to go to the Super Bowl. One, you have to have a quarterback. And you you know it's it's a pass first league. See, so you got to be able to throw it, and that means you've got to be able to stop people from throwing it. And that means you have to have good corners. And look, Denver got to the Super Bowl. Or they got there. They won the Super Bowl last year with a bad quarterback, but their their cornerback group was so great it didn't matter. But at some level, you have to stop people throwing the ball, and these guys can't stop anyone. And you know, Demarius Randall. Didn't start. I mean, he he gets benched last week, and and I, I don't know if this is Mike McCarthy, um, you know, throwing out some uh, some camouflage here, but you know he, you know Randall because uh, Ladarius Gunter goes down. You know Gunter obviously been their best guy all year. He goes down with a shoulder injury. Well, actually, first it was Micah Hyde went down, missed a series, and Randall, so came, Randall came in there. Then Gunter got hurt, so Randall just stayed in. So, anyways, Randall comes in. After getting benched last week, and you know he, I actually thought actually thought he played pretty well. Uh, McCarthy was actually very highly complimentary toward him after uh, after the game on Saturday, according to Pro Football Focus. uh Randall gave up five catches and ten targets, so they went after him. But you know he's he's not playing like a first round pick, and you know part of me wonders if you know he's just not back after that groin injury and groin surgery. If he's, if he's just not back and he's just not able to do. What he wants to do and play how he wants to play, kind of like Devonta Adams last year. Quentin Rollins, who I thought was a real key early in this winning streak, has regressed. You know, Gunter again, their best guy. He's he's hurt. I don't I don't know the severity. Well, maybe we'll, maybe McCurley will shed some light on that later today. But it's uh, look, you you got to be able to stop people from throwing the football, and at this point, they can't. Bradford, um, thirty four to fifty. 382 yards, three touchdowns, a 110.6 pass rating. Again, a lot, of that's, a lot of that's garbage time stuff. But a lot of it wasn't either. I mean, again, Bradford had pretty good numbers even before they got off to a great start, other than the red zone failures. I I just don't know if these guys are good enough. And they're going to get a big test here, obviously, on Sunday against Detroit with, with Matthew Stafford, who's Having an MVP caliber season. You know, the stats aren't great, but you know, if they win the division, you know, you look at you know, if they're nine wins right now, eight are on you know basically two-minute drill comebacks. Stafford's been great, and he's gonna test it. They're, they're gonna be at home. You know, Stafford had a big game the first time, and I, I boy, I don't know. The season really hinges on those guys, you know, Gunter, Randall, Rollins, Hyde. Whatever trio of guys they put out in, in their nickel package, it's up to those three guys. Look, they don't have to play great; they just have to make some plays, steal some possessions, you know, set up the offense where maybe instead of matching touchdowns or matching scores for a while, maybe, maybe you steal possession and you get a if you get a fourteen point swing, so you're up fourteen or whatever. But it's going to be up to those guys, and, and at this point, I, I I wouldn't bet money on it. And that takes us to fourth down, and you look at the special teams from from Saturday's game. Gonna kind of this will be this will be a short segment kind of whole hum on here. Not not a whole lot to talk about. But one one, one thing I want to do look at is punting. This is now on Mark's five times out of the last six games, I believe, where Jacob Shum has won the punting battle. And at the end of the day, you would look at his net average of 36.5 yards per punt and say, eh. But his opponent was, uh, I think it's Jeff Locke. I know his last name is Locke. I believe, I believe it's Jeff. His net average is 29.2. So, again, Green Bay wins that punt. At the end of the day, a punter's stats are going to be bad in December. And this is why, at the end of the year, whoever Green Bay's punter was, whether it's Tim Mastay or it's going to be Shim this year, at the end of the year, you're going to look at the stats and say, you need to do better than that. And you know what? Maybe, maybe, you, need, maybe you do need to do better. But at the end of the day, and these bad weather games. Really, the only thing that matters is if your punter beats their punter, and Green Bay gets a an overwhelming win, and that's even with Shum having one touchback. You know, uh, uh, Jeff Janis had must must have lost um, Shum's first punt of the game. The ball goes in the end zone. You know, if Janis plays that correctly, you know the Vikings are stopped at their three yard line. So, from that perspective, I thought I thought Shump played well. Micah Hyde with a great play. You now Hyde. First of all, he had a good day, Uh, averaged 10 yards on four returns, but I thought his best punt, return of the day, and I I don't remember the exact timing of it. I believe it was the third quarter. A poor punt by Locke. If Hyde lets that ball bounce, it's a short punt. If he lets that ball bounce, who knows how much field position the Vikings get out of that. But instead, Hyde makes a terrific sliding catch, like a center fielder kind of on his knee. I mean, it's a great sliding catch. Where it goes on as nothing in the in the game book stat sheet. You might not even remember the play. At the end of the day, it's gonna be nothing in the in the grand context of this year's special teams. But it was a great play, and that's the kind of stuff that Micah Hyde gives you. He just has this ability. His ball skills are off the charts. He is you know, he might have some warts, you know, athletically. I know he had the fumble yesterday that he, that he pounced or yesterday, Saturday that he pounced on, but it's stuff like that. And he has done that so many times where you know, a lesser punt returner lets that ball bounce. Instead of Micah Hyde runs up 20 yards and makes a sliding catch, make his look as easy as pie. A great play there. And a big day by Mason Crosby kicking off. The Vikings kickoff return unit, the best in the NFL with Cordero Patterson going to the Pro Bowl, two touchdowns in the year, like a 32-yard average on kickoff returns. Seven kickoffs by Mason Crosby. Patterson doesn't even get a chance at it. Five touchbacks and then a couple skyballs sky balls returned by other people. So, so you know what? When you look at the final numbers, a kind of a whole hum day by Green Bay special teams, but in reality, a really good day by a quickly improving unit. And if you just, just do it by the math, if if you in in big games, if you figure if you have to win on offense, and you have to win one of the other phases, look. Here, let's put it this way: if you have to win two out of the three phases, I kind of like their chances. I like Green Bay's offense against anyone, and Green Bay special teams is at least holding serve. It's a quickly improving unit. Uh, you know, Ronsu took some heat, and probably rightfully so, early in the year. But just like every other part of this team. Things are turning upward. With that, that is the end of Lockdown Packwards. Have a great day, everybody. A belated Merry Christmas. Thank you for always listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow.